0: Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks with our special presentation of Varney the Vampire. We will be reading back and forth using Eye of Argon rules, where the narrator keeps going until they either fuck up or crack up, and commentary from the non-narrators are encouraged. We are on Chapter 6. A Glance at the Bannerworth Family, The Probable Consequences of the Mysterious Apparition's Appearance.
1: Just a short title.
0: (laughs) Do you want to go first or shall I? I'll go first. Okay.
1: Having thus far, we hope, interested our readers in the fortunes of a family which had become subject to so dreadful a visitation, we trust that a few words concerning them and the peculiar circumstances in which they are now placed will not prove altogether out of place or
0: unacceptable. It's bold of him to assume that he's interested the reader.
1: He says he hopes.
0: That's a big hope, my dude.
1: (laughs) It's bold of him to hope. The Bannerworth family, then, were well known in the part of the country where they resided. Perhaps, if we were to say they were better known by name than they were liked, on account of that name, we should be near the truth. For it had unfortunately happened that for a very considerable time past the head of the family had been the very worst specimen of it that could be procured.
0: (laughs) Okay. Alright, that's legit funny, though. That
1: actually is, like, the first genuinely funny line in this (laughs) While the junior branches were frequently amiable and most intelligent, and such in mind and manner as were calculated to inspire goodwill in all who knew them, he who held the family property and who resided in the house now occupied by Flora and her brothers was a very so-so sort of character. This state of things, by some strange fatality, had gone on for nearly a hundred years, and the consequence was what might have been fairly expected, namely, that, what with their vices and what with their extravagances, The successive heads of the Bannerworth family had succeeded in so far diminishing the family property that, when it came into the hands of Henry Bannerworth, it was of little value, on account of the dubious encumbrances with which it was saddled.
0: There's nothing spookier than impoverished gentry.
1: It's the scariest thing possible. (laughs) What if a rich person was no longer rich?
0: What if someone who never thought they'd have to get a job had to get a job?
1: (laughs) The father of Henry had not been a very brilliant exception to the general rule, as (laughs) regarded the head of the family. So this guy is going off. This guy
0: is taking the Bannerworths down.
1: If he were not quite so bad as many of his ancestors, that gratifying circumstance was to be accounted for by the supposition that he was not quite so bold, and that the change in habits, manners, and laws which had taken place in a hundred years made it not so easy for even a landed proprietor to play the petty tyrant. He had to get rid of those animal spirits which had prompted many of his predecessors to downright crimes, had recourse to the gaming table, and, after raising whatever sums he could upon the property which remained, he naturally, as he might have been fully expected, lost them all. He was found lying dead in the garden of the house one day, and by his side- Wait, what? <laughs> he was- yeah, there he was. Oh no. <laughs> he was found lying dead in the garden of the house one day, and by his side was his pocketbook, On one leaf of which, it was the impression of the family, he had endeavored to write something previous to his decease, for he held a pencil firmly in his grasp. He was in the middle of writing a grocery list. (laughs) It's like in those video games where you find a journal where it's like, oh, I am going to die in a cave. Like, Daddy just wanted to become environmental storytelling. (laughs) The probability was that he had felt himself getting ill and, being desirous of making some communication to his family, which pressed heavily upon his mind, He had attempted to do so, but was stopped by the too rapid approach of the hand of death. For some days previous to his decease, his conduct had been extremely mysterious. He had announced an intention of leaving England forever, of selling the house and grounds for whatever they would fetch over and above the sums for which they were mortgaged, and so clearing himself of all encumbrances. He had, but a few hours before he was found lying dead, made the following singular speech to Henry. Do not regret, Henry, that the old house which has been in our family so long is about to be parted with. Be assured that, if it is but for the first time in my life, I have good and substantial reasons now for what I am about to do. We shall be able to go to some other country and there live like princes of the land. Where the means were to come from to live like a prince, unless Mr. Bannerworth had some of the German princes in his eye, no one knew but himself, and his sudden death buried with him that most important secret.
0: I like the implication that Mr. Bannerworth was going to marry a German prince to save the family fortune.
1: That is what that means, right?
0: Typically. Typically.
1: Yeah, he was like, I don't know, I'm, I still got it. <laughs> there were some words written on the leaf of his pocketbook, but they were of by far too indistinct and ambiguous nature to lead to anything. They were these. The money is blank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, alright, that got me.
0: <laughs> in the banana stand.
1: The money is always in the banana stand.
0: And then there was a long scrawl of the pencil, which seemed to have been occasioned by his sudden decease. Of course, nothing could be made of these words except in the way of a contradiction, as the family lawyer said, rather more facetiously than a man of the law usually speaks. (laughs) For if he had written, the money is not, he would have been somewhere remarkably near the truth.
1: this is the funniest chapter.
0: This is the chapter where our author really comes into his own, I feel.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: However, with all his vices, he was regretted by his children, who chose rather to remember him in his best aspect than to dwell upon his faults. For the first time then, within the memory of man, the head of the family of the Bannerwoods was a gentleman in every sense of the word. Brave, generous, highly educated, and full of many excellent and noble qualities. For such was Henry whom we have introduced to our readers under such distressing circumstances.
1: This reminds me very much of those old fanfic.net fanfics where every now and again the author would like bust in and start talking to the characters.
0: Yeah, it's it's getting a little meta. <laughs> I was thinking it's the feature in fanfictions where they introduce their self-insert and all the established characters talk about how wonderful they are for several thousand words.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So like Henry has like raven black hair.
0: And he's the kindest, most generous, most prettiest, most talented, and he's a great singer, and he plays the piano, and he plays the guitar, and he can paint pictures. Yeah. And he draws comic books, and he's a big mangaka who lives in a giant house in Tokyo.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he, he saw some preps and he stuck up his middle finger at them. Exactly.
0: <laughs> And now, people said, that the family property, having been all dissipated and lost, there would take place a change, and that the Bannerworths would have to take some course of honorable industry for a livelihood, and that then they would be as much respected as they had been before detested and disliked.
1: Well, we do like a
0: person who gets a job. I mean, I'd tell them to get the mill, but it burned down in that thunderstorm, so... <laughs> yeah, well, so much for that. I don't know if there's much industry left in the county.
1: <laughs> that was everyone's job.
0: Indeed, the position which Henry held now was a most precarious one. For one of the amazingly clever acts of his father had been to encumber the property with overwhelming claims so that when Henry administered to the estate, it was doubted almost by his attorney if it were at all desirable to do so. (laughs) Fucked up your house! An attachment, however, to the old house of his family had induced the young man to hold a possession of it as long as he could, despite any adverse circumstance which might eventually be connected with it. Rent out the mansion, move to a cottage on the property.
1: Well, I mean, maybe Henry could have a German prince in his eye, you know?
0: Also that, but like... Jane Austen could not have laid it out more clearly for you what you do in this situation. <laughs> you rent out the big house and move into one of the eight other smaller houses that you own.
1: But their nobility, Ken.
0: <sighs> Some weeks, however, only after the decease of his father and when he fairly held possession, a sudden and most unexpected offer came to him from a solicitor in London of whom he knew nothing to purchase the house and grounds for a client of his who had instructed him to do so, but whom he did not mention. The offer made was a liberal one, and beyond the value of the place. The lawyer who had conducted Henry's affairs for him since his father's decease advised him by all means to take it, but after a consultation with his mother and sister and George, they all resolved to hold by their own house as long as they could, and consequently he refused the offer.
1: Dumb asses!
0: He was then asked to let the place and to name his own price for the occupation of it, but that he would not do.
1: Oh, there's his answer to you, Ken.
0: So the negotiation went off altogether, leaving only in the minds of the family much surprise at the exceeding eagerness of someone whom they knew not to get possession of the place on any terms.
1: So they just like being poor, it seems.
0: Seems like... I also feel like a small cottage where you know where everyone is at all times and you know whether or not any of the rooms are empty would be much easier to defend against a vampire rather than a giant mansion where like 90% of the rooms are unoccupied at any given time. Yeah, you would think. You'd think, and yet There was another circumstance perhaps which materially aided in producing a strong feeling on the minds of the Bannerworths with regard to remaining where they were. That circumstance occurred thus. A relation of the family who was now dead and with whom had died all his means had been in the habit for the last half dozen years of his life of sending a hundred pounds to Henry for the express purpose of enabling him and his brother George and his sister Flora to take a little continental or home tour in the autumn of the year. Okay. A more acceptable present, or for a more delightful purpose to young people, could not be found, and with the quiet, prudent habits of all three of them, they contrived to go far and to see much for the sum which was thus handsomely placed at their disposal.
1: Wait, so they're poor, they get a bunch of money, and they're like, fuck this, I'm I'm going to Portugal.
0: (laughs) In one of those excursions, when among the mountains of Italy, an adventure occurred which placed the life of Flora in imminent hazard. They were riding along a narrow mountain path, and, her horse slipping, she fell over the ledge of a precipice.
1: (laughs) Get fucked.
0: Long live the king, Flora. In an instant, a young man, a stranger to the whole party, who was traveling in the vicinity, rushed to the spot, and by his knowledge and exertions, they felt convinced her preservation was affected. He told her to lie quiet, he encouraged her to hope for immediate succor, and then, with much personal exertion and at immense risk to himself, he reached the ledge of the rock on which she lay, and then he supported her until the brothers had gone to a neighboring house, which, by the by, was two good English miles off, and got assistance. There came on, while they were gone, a terrific storm, and Flora felt that per- And Flora felt that but for him who was with her, she must have been hurled from the rock and perished in an abyss below, which was almost too deep for observation.
1: Wow. A lot happening all in one day. They just left her with a stranger. Like uh, there was a pretty good chance he was just going to be like, "Ha ha. Okay, now they're gone and then stabbed her to death."
0: <laughs> you know, like they do in the Alps.
1: Just like, "Oh, this is so convenient. They have no idea who I am. Anyway, bye, dead. Later." Suffice it to say that she was rescued and he who had by his intrepidity done so much towards saving her was loaded with the most sincere and heartfelt acknowledgments by the brother as well and none money as by herself. <laughs> He frankly told them that his name was Holland. Then they believed him that he was traveling for amusement and instruction and was by profession an artist.
0: Of course.
1: He traveled with them for some time and it was not at all to be wondered under the circumstances that an attachment of the tenderest nature should spring up between him and the beautiful girl who felt that she owed this entire country her life. Mutual glances of affection were exchanged between them, and it was arranged that when he returned to England, he should come at once as an honored guest to the house of the family of the Bannerworths. All this was settled satisfactorily with the full knowledge and acquiescence of the two brothers, who had taken a strange attachment to the young Charles Holland, who was indeed in every way likely to propitiate the good opinion of all who knew him. Henry explained to him exactly how they were situated, and told him that when he came he would find a welcome from all, except possibly his father, whose wayward temper he could not answer for. I thought that was going to be because he was dead. (laughs) Young Holland stated that he was compelled to be away for a term of two years from certain family engagements he had entered into, and that then he would return and hope to meet Flora unchanged as he should be. Strange. It happened that this was the last of the continental excursions of the Bannerworths, before another year rolled round the generous relative who had supplied them with the means of making such delightful trips was no more, and likewise the death of the father had occurred in the manner we have related, so that there was no chance, as had been anticipated and hoped for by Flora, of meeting Charles Holland on the continent again before his two years of absence from England should expire. Such, however, being the state of things, Flora felt reluctant to give up the house, where he would be sure to come to look for her, and her happiness was too dear to Henry to induce him to make any sacrifice of it to expediency. Therefore, it was that Bannerworth Hall, as it was sometimes called, was retained and fully intended to be retained at all events until Charles Holland made his appearance And this wasn't insane at all. (laughs) And his advice, for he was, by the young people, considered as one of the family, taken with regard to what was advisable to be done. With one exception, this was the state of affairs at the hall, and that exception relates to Mr. Marchdale.
0: Yeah, okay, who the fuck is this guy? Do we finally get to know?
1: I think we do. He was a distant relation of Mrs. Bannerworth, and, in early life, had been sincerely and tenderly attached to her. She, however, with the want of steady reflection of a young girl, as she then was, had, as is generally the case among several admirers, chosen the very worst. That is, the man who treated her with the most indifference, and who paid her the least attention, was, of course, thought the most of, and she gave her hand to him. Women, am I right? <laughs> nice guys finish last. Well, yeah. That man was Mr. Bannerworth. Thank you, I figured that out. That man was Mr. Bannerworth. But future experience had made her thoroughly awake to her former error, and, but for the love she bore her children, who were certainly all that a mother's heart could wish, she would often have deeply regretted the infatuation which had induced her to bestow her hand in the quarter she had done so. About a month after the decease of Mr. Bannerworth, there came one to the hall who desired to see the widow. That one was Mr. Marchdale.
0: One month? Yeah, he didn't- Damn.
1: He didn't really wait.
0: Oh my god.
1: He's clapping, he's like, get it over with. It might have been some slight tenderness towards him which had never left her, or it might be the pleasure merely of seeing one whom she had known intimately in early life, but be that as it may, she certainly gave him a kindly welcome, and he, after consenting to remain for some time as a visitor at the hall, won the esteem of the whole family by his frank demeanor and cultivated intellect. He had traveled much and seen much, and he had turned to good account all he had seen, so that not only was Mr. Markdale a man of sterling sound sense, but he was a most entertaining companion.
0: Sources needed.
1: Yeah. His intimate knowledge of many things, concerning which they knew little or nothing, his accurate modes of thought, and a quiet, gentlemanly demeanor, such as is rarely to be met with, combined to make him esteemed by the Bannerworths. He had a small independence of his own, and being completely alone in the world, for he had neither wife nor child, Marchdale owned that he felt a pleasure in residing with the Bannerworths. Of course, he could not, in decent terms, so far offend them as to offer to pay for his subsistence, but he took good care that they should really be no losers by having him as an inmate, a matter which he could easily arrange by a little presence of one kind of another all of which he managed should be such as were, not only ornamental, but actually spared his kind entertainers some positive expense which otherwise they must have gone to. Whether or not this amiable piece of maneuvering was seen through the Bannerworths, it is not our purpose to inquire. If it was seen through, it could not lower him in their esteem, for it was probably just what they themselves would have felt a pleasure in doing under similar circumstances, and if they did not observe it, Mr. Marchdale would probably be all the better pleased. Such then may be considered by our readers as a brief outline of the state of affairs among the Bannerworths, a state which was pregnant with changes, and which changes were now likely to be rapid and conclusive. How far the feelings of the family towards the ancient house of their race would be altered by the appearance at it of so fearful a visitor as a vampire, we will not stop to inquire, inasmuch as such feelings will develop themselves as we proceed.
0: Wow. Thank you for outlining the entire story, sir. (laughs) You will be
1: reading the book. That the visitation had produced a serious effect upon all the household was sufficiently evident, as well among the educated as among the ignorant. On the second morning, Henry received notice to quit his service from the three servants he with difficulty had contrived to keep at the hall. The reason why he received such notice he knew well enough, and therefore he did not trouble himself to argue about a superstition to which he felt now himself almost compelled to give way. For how could he say there was no such thing as a vampire when he had, with his own eyes, had the most abundant evidence of the terrible fact?
0: I do appreciate that the servants, at least, are getting out.
1: The servants are just like, I, this has been such a fucking clown car and I'm getting out. (laughs) They're keeping the house just so this chick can meet a dude, which is, like, in and of itself
0: extremely insane. I feel like whoever moved into the house next could tell them where she had moved to. You, like, leave a little letter? Yeah, you have letters. You get several mail deliveries per day.
1: No, they've got this, like, they've got this, like, fucking Mr. Bean logic, like, no, we have to be in this exact house or he'll never find her. (laughs) He calmly paid the servants and allowed them to leave him at once without at all entering into the matter, and, for the time being, some men were procured who, however, came evidently with fear and trembling and probably only took the place on account of not being able to procure any other. The comfort of the household was likely to be completely put an end to, And reasons now for leaving the hall appeared to be most rapidly accumulating.
0: The end. The end. Yeah, sounds like they should have left the house like years ago.
1: (laughs) I can't believe- They were just like, I'm gonna give you a fucking million dollars. I'm gonna give you a million dollars. I'm just gonna take this house. All right, uh, that's fine. We're just gonna take this house. And he's like, No, my sister's waiting
0: for a boy. (laughs) I also feel like with those million dollars, they could have gone to Europe and met up with him.
1: There's also the fact that after they didn't sell it, you know, this person's like, alright, will you rent it to me? And they were like, no! And it's like, you have means of community. like, you didn't even have to leave the town.
0: No, just get another house in town. You can just
1: stay in the town.
0: Oh my god, these people. If this is their level of problem solving that they're working with, I can kind of see how they lost all of their money.
1: I can kind of see how they're all gonna get slaughtered by a vampire.
0: Can't wait.
1: (laughs) I mean, has anything changed in rich people, though?
0: No. (laughs) Oh man, so D. thoughts on Varney? Predictions on where it'll go next?
1: I think Varney's gonna fucking kill all of them because it's becoming abundantly clear that they're all extremely stupid. (laughs) Although I do do wonder what Holland, what a name. It sounds like he's gonna be riding up to the four eventually and uh, I think he's also gonna get killed by a vampire so that's gonna be fun.
0: I predict that the author will almost immediately forget about Holland's existence.
1: (laughs) Uh oh like he was just an invention to to excuse why they were keeping this piece of shit house?
0: Yeah, and that in the end, Mr. Marchdale will marry Flora because that's how the Victorians like to do it.
1: Oh, ooh, that'd be yucky.
0: Yeah, it would. The Victorians are yucky like that.
1: Yeah, they're pretty yucky.
0: But that's how they do. That's how they do. That's why Colonel Brandon marries Marianne.
1: Ugh, yucky.
0: Instead of Eleanor, for some goddamned reason.
1: Not that you're bitter.
0: It's just I love Sense and Sensibility so much, but I don't understand what the hell Jane Austen was smoking, except for that like good, good Regency bud <laughs> to come up with that configuration for the final couples. But whatever. Spoilers for Sense and Sensibility: a better book. <laughs> God. All right, we'll tune in next week for more Varney, Chapter Seven which will be The Visit to the Vault of the Bannerworths and its unpleasant result, The Mystery.
1: Well, you already spoiled the ending of the chapter title, sir. (laughs) Now I know it's going to be unpleasant.
0: Oh, man. Thank you all for supporting us on Patreon and for listening to this very special presentation of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. And we will see you all next week.
1: Au revoir! Goodbye!